from a legal perspective, uh, what are some of the legal issues that surround launching a stablecoin in the U.S.? If you had a client come to you, say, hey, I kind of have this idea to create my own stablecoin. What are some things that you think they could look out for? And obviously, this is not legal advice, so um, just for general knowledge. Yeah. So my first question would be, um, what kind of stablecoin are you talking about? Um, so, you know, I think broadly you can put them in three categories, right? You've got fiat-backed stablecoins. Um, you've got asset-backed stablecoins. And in there, you know, I usually throw those backed by other crypto assets as well. Uh, and then you've got algorithmic stablecoins. And we really haven't seen those play out too much. Um, then the next thing I'm going to ask is, well, where are you actually looking to launch this? Where are you based? And then where are users of the stablecoin going to be based? Um, assuming it's outside of the US, then I say, you know, here's somebody else you can work with. Uh, if it's going to be launched in the US, um, then, you know, I, I'm going to walk through the different laws that are going to apply. So, you know, I'm going to think through, okay, there, there could be a securities law issue here. There could be a commodities law issue here. Um, there could be a broker dealer law issue here, depending on, on what the outcome is on those first two questions. And then there's most likely going to be um, some kind of, uh, you know, AML money transmitter issue. Um, you know, and so the securities law part of it, you look at that and you think, okay, well, um, we know Howie very well, um, how we can potentially apply here. I mean, it shouldn't because a stable coin uh, is intended to stay stable in value. But what we've seen is that sometimes with stable coins, you have a second coin involved as well um, that is used sometimes to raise money. Sometimes it's actually part of the, uh, the way you're going to stabilize the price of the stable coin. Uh, so issues could arise there. But a lot of people forget that Howie isn't the only uh, test for whether um, you know something is a security, and specifically Howie's testing isn't an investment contract. But you're also going to look as at you know does this constitute a note? Um, you know some of the stable coins out there look you know similar to notes, and so you're going to analyze that under Reeves, what you refer to as the family resemblance test, and you see is is that uh, is that a note? Um, it could potentially look like evidence of indebtedness. Uh, it could potentially look like a certificate of deposit. Um, there's a lot of things that that a stable coin could look like, and that's going to uh, create uh, potential issues. So that's the first part in terms of the securities law. Now, if there is a securities law issue, what we're also going to think about is, do you have uh, an issue as a broker dealer? Um, you know, Problems as a broker dealer are going to arise, um, most likely in this context, if you're going to take any kind of um, transaction-based compensation. So think of that as being, if there is a transaction that occurs in the security, are you going to receive compensation based on the occurrence of that transaction? Now, based on how the stable coin is distributed or the, the alternative coin, if there is a second one, um, there could potentially be broker dealer issues that need to be uh, dealt with. Um, then, you know, the next one that, you know, always needs to be considered is, is there going to be any kind of commodity law issue? And, you know, the CFTC regulates, uh, commodities, um, but they don't really regulate the spot market as in transactions in commodities, um, themselves beyond, uh, you know, fraud and, and things of that nature. What they really end up regulating is swaps. 
And so, you know, there's some situations in which uh, transactions involving uh, assets underlying the stable coins, usually not the stable coins themselves, but those underlying the stable coins. Um, think of it as, you know, transactions involving Bitcoin as a commodity, for example. And so um, ETH, for example, probably a commodity as well. And so you look at transactions with those underlying um, the the uh, stable coin and you think, is there some kind of swap there? Um, you know, and, and swap is very complicated uh, definition, but usually people think of it as, uh, or that's definition that usually ends up kind of getting people wrapped up and it is some kind of uh, option of some kind to purchase or, or, or sell um, something uh, that has one or more kind of interest in other kind of rates, currencies, I think there's like economic interest, things of that nature. Uh, and so, uh, you need to analyze whether there's a swap. If there's a swap, then it can be regulated and you're going to limit to who you can actually uh, transfer the stable coins, which is going to be a problem. Same thing with securities laws. If they apply, there's going to be limitations on how the stable coin can be transferred, which is problematic. Um, and then once we get past that, the one that you can assume almost every time, though you should never actually assume, is going to apply is going to be um, kind of the the laws relating to anti-money laundering uh, and being a money transmitter. So, you know, you're going to look at that. And, you know, FinCEN, probably more than any other regulator, has done a pretty much a very good job, I'd say, at, at putting out guidance on, on cryptocurrencies. Um, and if you look at the guidance, and stable coins are going to fit in that. Uh, and if you look at the guidance, um, you're going to be able to, to figure out whether um, the stable coin is going to um, meet the definition of a virtual of a convertible virtual currency, uh, and then whether somebody's going to be considered to be uh, an administrator, an exchanger, or user, and what that means for them. Um, you know, and that could end up meaning that you need to register with FinCEN and then file SARS. Um, and those kind of things are a lot more likely um, for kind of any kind of centralized stable coin. So, you know, anyone who's going to be accepting fiat uh, and having the fiat be backing the stable coin is almost certainly going to fall in this category. Um, probably quite a few of the uh, stable coins that uh, have some kind of asset behind it will fall behind it, though, will, will fall in that category, though there's going to be some that are going to be more decentralized and, and may not. Uh, and so um, you have that issue and then you're going to look at it from a state level and you're going to look and you're going to say, hey, are there going to be any states regulating this? And, you know, it, on, in a fiat backed stable coin, you're going to have a lot more states regulating it because it's going to be very clear that the money transmitter laws in those states uh, apply in most instances um, where there is no fiat backed stable coin, but one backed by another asset like uh, some kind of uh, cryptocurrency, um, then you're going to have to look at some money transmitter laws state money transmitter laws that specifically apply uh, to cryptocurrencies or that have made clear that their money transmitter laws in general apply to cryptocurrencies. Um, and then the one that you always have that I didn't mention earlier is uh, looking at uh, OFAC sanctions and limitations around that whenever you're dealing with, um, you know, frankly, anyone, because even a, a U.S. person could end up being uh, on, a, on a sanctions list based on on what they uh, who they've dealt with. So that is a very long overview of all the laws that could apply to state coins. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, you need to go hire a lawyer. <laughs> um, so if, if there are any entrepreneurs listening, like th this is why some of the projects that you do um, 
get certain responses from myself and maybe other lawyers is because we have to think through all of these things, you know, for basically any, any product that people make. And, and thanks so much for going through such a thorough explanation of that. I feel like we've done a, uh, like a magic carpet ride around the world tour of, of the financial regulations in the U.S. <laughs> well, thank you. It's always fun. That's great. Okay. Um, yeah. So definitely a lot of issues with, with things like stable coins. Um, it's also one of the, the ones that the new crypto rating council was rated, which maker and also die. So that's interesting as well. Um, yeah. And that was actually a really you know, good example, right? Sorry for interrupting, but like, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You look at the two token example there. And I, I think I, I looked at it quick. I think I saw maker listed there at a four or five. So most likely a security. Um, and you know, you, the, the role that it plays in keeping die stable or from a governance perspective. And then you've got die down there at a one um, based on the fact that it is just something that is extremely uh, intended to stay very stable in value. Um, and, you know, I'm not passing any judgment on, on whether those are the correct rankings for, for each of them, but it kind of shows the, the difference in kind of one a two token system and how they might be treated, even though they're all kind of relevant to the same, uh, applying to the same stable coin. Yeah, for sure. 